Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. We've had to be scrappy. We've gone from five million to seventy-five million, and it and it took a lot of hard work and that f- grit to get there. And so I think that resonates a lot with founders. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. To get text alerts when new episodes come out, text three one zero. That's 310-872-2423. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast. I am so excited to have our next guest on the show on this LA Tech Spotlight. You guys, they have been incredibly supportive of the community, especially the female founders in this crazy city of Los Angeles. And I welcome to you, Sarah from Crosscut Ventures. Hello. Hello. How are you? Amazing. So stoked. I've wanted to have you on the show for a long time. I just love the work that you're doing in the community. And um, it's great that I've been able to have the emotional connection to it and experience it. Yeah. I mean, you were at our Female Founders event the other week. Which is the third one now, right? Third year in a row that we've done it. And it's just grown and gotten better each year. And I want to talk about that as well. But let's get started in a very official way. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell everybody about who you are and who you work with. Uh, My name is Sarah Moray. I'm an associate at Crosscut. Uh, We are early stage venture capital fund based in Venice. We're early stage, meaning we usually lead or participate in seed rounds for series seed stage companies. And tell me a little bit about there's so many people that one are really excited to be hearing from you right now, but they're like, what's the difference between being a venture capitalist and being an angel investor? And, and is this, what does seed really mean to me? Like in layman's terms? That's a great question. Angel investors are typically investing their own capital. They write smaller checks typically, but there are some super angels that write larger checks. The biggest differentiator between an early stage fund like us and angels is that we are, we raise money from institutional investors. So we are a institutionalized investment fund where we take a pool of capital from various investors and invest it in early stage technology companies. So the difference between a pre-seed and a seed and a series A, there's, there's no clear cut definition, but typically when we put a check in, we write a check anywhere from 500000 to sometimes $1.5, million, mm-hmm. even into series seed rounds. And usually the companies that we have invested in have raised a small chunk, maybe 200K from friends and family or angels. So we usually come in right after the angels funds the company and put that next infusion of one to $2 million in the company. Amazing. Are you only based in LA? No, we do uh, about 80% of our deals, maybe 85% in LA. And then we do 15 to 20% outside of LA. So we have investments in San Francisco, San Diego, New York, but then we also look 
outside of these markets as well. We actually have one of my favorite investments is in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We have a company in Kentucky. So I would say we're mostly concentrated in LA, but we also invest outside of LA. And that's unusual, right? It when I, I when I remember when I raised money for my company, it was if you're not based where we're headquartered, uh, we typically won't invest in you. Is that normal? Like, are you guys doing things a little bit more unusual or have things changed? Uh, I would say it's not it's not abnormal to invest outside of your market. Most venture capital funds will look elsewhere just because we're we're limiting ourselves if we only look in one geographic area. Right. Uh, it's important if it's. I would say personally, I think it's important if you are very early stage to be close by to at least one of your lead investors. Mm -hmm. So usually if we make an investment in, say, New York, we'll have a co-investor that's based there. Right. Just so that the company has some boots on the ground that can be there uh, in close proximity. That's awesome. And one thing I learned early on um, when I was raising money is that it's really important to, one, look at what that investor invests in, what types of companies, to make sure it's the right match for the kind of company that I'm building. And then the second thing is how large or small of the investments that they make to see if that's also the right match. Can you get into that a little bit? Because before I started raising money, I had no clue to even think about these things. To think about what stage the investor focuses on? Yeah, because when you say the term, not you, but in general, when the term venture capitalist is said, I think, well, at least I did in the beginning, I thought, well, just any venture capitalist can invest in me. And that's not the case because you have venture capitalists that invest in healthcare. You have venture capitalists. That it, so, so, what what does Crosscut, mm -hmm. what industries does Crosscut invest in? And then what range are you looking to? Because if someone comes and say, they say, we want $10,000, that's not the right fit, right? Yep. Or is it? So I'll just, I'll say in broad terms, first of all, yeah. uh, most investors, you can find most of this information online. What stage an investor invests in, what industries they focus on. Usually venture capital firms will put all of this on their website. So there are funds that focus on seed. There are funds that focus on A, B, you'll hear, you'll hear growth stage a right. lot. Those are not right for you if you're raising $500,000. So you can usually, usually find that by doing a little bit of research beforehand. For Crosscut, we are seed investors. So that that can mean a, like I said, we'll come in right after the angel or friends and family round. Some I would say the sweet spot of companies that we usually invest in are raising anywhere from one to $3 million seed round. And we'll put in, we'll try to lead and put in half the check. It's amazing. And, and what does that mean, lead? Lead, to lead an investment means you are giving the term sheet, you're setting the terms, you're setting the price, and you're getting a significant uh, amount of upfront ownership. And also to answer the other part of your question, which is industry focus, Crosscut is pretty industry agnostic. We are a early stage tech VC, so we do we do invest in tech companies, but those are across all a huge broad range of industries. So we've, we have some investments in gaming, esports, e-commerce, uh, enterprise SaaS, all across the spectrum. If it's early stage, seed stage technology company, we'll look at it. 
And, and you guys, I've just been so excited to have Sarah on because I know all of you are desperately like seeking out, like, what does this mean to me? How can I move my idea forward? So many people are constantly asking me for introductions and I'm like, you need to be more prepared. And so it's great that you have this episode to be listening to, to kind of start your homework and doing your research and going to the websites and finding out who are your best partners as, um, as you know, whether it's venture partners or angel partners or it's friends and family. This is really dynamic. So when was CrossCut created? CrossCut was founded in 2008 and we are now on our third fund. So our first fund in 2008 was a $5 million fund. Second fund that we raised was a $15 million fund. And now we are on our third fund, which is a $75 million fund. So we've, over the past nine years, have grown a lot. And what kind of drew me to CrossCut is our team is very entrepreneurial. We've we've had to be scrappy. We've gone from $5 million to $75 million, and it And it took a lot of hard work. And that... F- grit to get there. And so I think that resonates a lot with founders. And I'm excited to get into more about your background and how you got involved with CrossCut too. But I'm I'm certain everybody's like, what wins have you had? Can you share a little bit about your wins over the years? Yeah. So one of our early wins was DocStock, which is an amazing company built here in LA, founded by Jason Nazar. Uh, we are also investors in uh, lettuce, which was a which was a great exit here in LA. Founder Rod Mobram is still a really close friend of our fund, and we're invested in some other amazing companies that uh, a lot of you have probably heard of. We're invested in JustFab. We're invested in uh, Black Tux, Wink, which used to be called Club W subscription wine business. It's really extraordinary that you had so many companies under the crosscut you know, umbrella that have won at the game. What does winning in this world of tech really mean? So as a venture capital investor, a win is a realized investment that either goes through an IPO or an M&A. So a lot of our companies that we've exited have gone through a merger or an acquisition with a larger company like Intuit, Dermstore. Uh, IPOs are more rare in this world, but that's another way that you can realize an investment as a VC. It would be great to hear what companies that really excited you as you've been working with them that you were like, oh, I'm so glad I work here because I get to work on this. So a concept that's really interested me is the growth of the hourly employee and the growth of the 1099 worker. And you see this as a result of Uber and Lyft and Postmates. So uh, that was an area that I was focusing a lot of my attention on. And we invested recently in a company called Branch Messenger. Oh, cool. It's based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. They just graduated from the Techstars Target retail program, which Mm -hmm. is amazing. Any companies that are looking for an accelerator, I highly recommend that one. But they are creating a Slack-like interface for hourly employees. And that communication, there's been a communication gap between hourly employees because all of the technology has been focused on the enterprise to date. So they've built this lightweight system that operates on top of your existing HR solutions. So they're working with Target right now. All of the Target employees are using Branch to communicate with each other and communicate with their management, which has freed up management and the supervisors at the store level because they historically had been post, like literally were posting 
employees' schedules in the break room on paper and pencil. And oh, you would crazy. cross it out if you couldn't make it on to your shift on Wednesday, yeah. you'd cross it out and the supervisor would have to hop on the phone and call 15 other employees trying to fill yeah. that uh, fill that role. And so Branch has enabled technology to fill those roles for you. That's awesome. And what's Great. one L.A. startup, um, not even necessarily with CrossCut, but just in general that you've come across lately, maybe you met at um, your female founder event that has really impressed you? That's a great question. I, I meet with so many amazing companies that it's really hard to say. Uh, Blue Fever is really interesting. I met them at the Crosscut Female Founders event, and they are a Netflix for millennial women. Oh, cool. Uh, there's there's just a ton of amazing. Do you remember where they're based? They're based here in LA. And do you happen to know, is it bluefever.com? Yes, it's Blue Fever, F-E-V-R. Cool. So you guys should check, check it, out. it out for sure. I'd love to talk more about your female founders event. It was created three years ago. What was the motivation behind it? And uh, and what was Crosscut looking to achieve? But I mean, it's extraordinary. It is so cool. Like, this, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you guys, it's first of all, it's gorgeous. Like, it's a gorgeous event. Totally well done. Everyone on the Crosscut team is so lovely. How many people are on the team? So there's four partners and then myself and one other investment associate. And then we have Cecilia, who's our amazing She's chief of amazing. staff. She's amazing. Yes. So like everybody's just so warm and welcoming. And so what inspired? So this event started three years ago. And I've I've been part of the Crosscut team for a little over a year. So mm -hmm. they the fact that they were having this event is three years ago with no female on their investment team. It's just a testament to how dedicated they are to uh, kind of closing that gender gap in venture capital investing. So they started this event uh, to bring together the female founder community and the investor community and show that we supported these female founders. And we've had it for three years now. It's grown. It's amazing. We have this year, we had over 150 female founders at the event, over 50 investors from San Francisco, LA. And it's just a great way to network and open up our network uh, to all of these wonderful female founders in LA. And I mentioned it when I was speaking at the event that our investments, 38% of our new investments in 2016 had at least one female founder on the team. Dude, that's, I didn't even know that. That's yeah. so cool. And I, I, when I was preparing for the event, I was looking through our portfolio and I didn't even realize it. We don't brag about that, but it, 38%. That's really female cool. Founders. So that's really cool. That's something that I'm extremely proud of. And I think this this event and promoting females is a really big um, push for us. So one thing that I heard about when I was at the Females Founder event was about this crazy company called Purple Squirrel. And I saw a purple squirrel at another event and it was this like nuts founder, like just making himself known like, <laughs> at an event, like on a balcony and all these, like all of the LA yes. tech community was like, 
what is that purple squirrel doing? And now I find out that Crosscut. We're proud investors. Yeah. <laughs> so what is purple squirrel and who is this founder that yeah. has the courage to literally wear a purple squirrel costume everywhere? So John is the founder of purple squirrel. John Silber. He is amazing. Uh, one of those visionary founders that we're always looking for. And yes, he sometimes wears a purple squirrel costume, which I think is amazing. Purple Squirrel is a platform that's turning recruiting on its head. So you as a job seeker can Mm -hmm. pay to speak to someone at whatever company you want to work for. So the idea behind this is companies like Google are are most of the employees that get hired there are ref- employee referrals mm-hmm. and that those are often the best employees. Right. So you can pay uh 20 bucks to talk to somebody at any tech company that you want to work for whether it's Google, Tesla, whatever, right. Facebook and that conversation can either be informational or it can be with the uh, with the idea of getting a referral to that company. So it turns the employees within the company into recruiters. Now, how do the employees at those companies like let's say their candid opinion is in the negative, how do they stay safe with their job? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that it's in the early days. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah, working yeah. through that. Most of the ambassadors that are on the on the platform love what they're doing and they want to talk about it. I think what's cool is one of the things that um, we talk about a lot on the podcast is culture. Mm-hmm. And every company does have a different culture, even the culture of having your dogs at work. Right. And that's something cool when you get to talk to someone that works there to find out like what is the culture of this company versus the culture of another one like is one a dog friendly company is the other mm-hmm. one like have ping pong mm-hmm. like, no, you know? yeah. does it the is, other one do they all go out to happy hour together it's it's all the stuff that recruiters often don't tell you and I think my favorite part of it is it's it really opens up this tech network to people that aren't currently in tech and don't necessarily have the connections and warm introductions. So it's it's really broadening the the base of people that are going to be working these companies. Awesome. One thing that I find so valuable putting aside tech and venture capital and business networking or whatever, the quality of people that I meet at that event It's like you want every girl there to be your best friend. They're so (laughs) cool, these humans, you know. Thank you. So you curate the most wonderful people to get together. And then on top of that, you're facilitating people to achieve their dreams. It's, It's just, it's really, it's a wonderful, wonderful event. And so tell me a little bit about how how did you discover Crosscut? Were you in L.A. when you discovered it? Are you from L.A.? How did you get involved in the whole mix? So I was I was actually in the Bay Area for three years before I moved to L.A. I spent a little time down here. I'm originally from San Diego. I spent a little bit of time, enough time down here to realize how amazing the tech scene is. And I just saw I saw L.A. as an opportunity to, for me to be on the ground floor of something, building something amazing. And it's, it's grown even in the year that I've been here. It's amazing how much the LA tech community has grown. And I'm really, really excited to see where it's going to go. So that was, that was my reason for wanting to move down to LA. And I met the Crosscut team. I just hit it off with them and the rest is history. Had you been in venture capital before? 
Yeah, I worked in venture capital up in the Bay Area at a much larger fund. We were Series A, Series B focused. So it, it's a whole new world uh, working in early stage. You're, you evaluate companies differently. Our team's smaller. And just working in the LA ecosystem is totally different. So it's been a big change, but I love it down here. Awesome. I, I mean, I'm so happy that you're you're here. And it's crazy because a lot of venture capitalists are relocating from Silicon Valley to here, which is tripping me out. Yeah. And you see it. Uh, we're seeing a lot more funds in the Bay Area and New York dedicating one or two team members to focusing solely on L.A. And I think that's a result of some amazing companies Obviously, the biggest being Snapchat, right. um, showing a lot of growth and potential here. One gripe that a lot of people have is that they feel that Los Angeles investors don't take the same kind of risks that, that investors take in the Bay Area. Would you agree with that or is that starting to shift? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? I don't agree with that at all. Uh, a lot of the investors here, the biggest difference is that a lot of the investors in LA are seed and pre-seed earlier stage investors. Uh, you see a lot broader range up in San Francisco and honestly, a lot more capital. So mm -hmm. with a lot more capital comes a lot more competition. So I think the community down here, because it's young, it's friendly, it's, it's friendlier. Right. There isn't, as much competition for deals as you see up in the Bay Area. So I think that's what's attracting a lot of investors down here is we have some amazing companies and there really is not enough late stage growth stage capital down here to bring these companies to the next level. For sure. It's interesting. It comes up in so many conversations and interviews how collaborative the city is. Totally. It's and and I just made the assumption that aren't all tech cities collaborative and then people who have had their feet planted um, in multiple cities. They're like, no, New York, San Francisco, all these places, they're pretty cutthroat and they're not they're all out for themselves. And L.A. is unusually collaborative. Mm -hmm. um, how do you see that in even the founders that you work with in your portfolio? I think, as I said, it's a function of it being a young, new tech scene here. And a lot of the founders in LA and a lot of the teams in LA I've found are very diverse, not just gender and age, but also background. A lot of them haven't come from big tech companies. A lot of them are, I'll meet with founders sometimes that are ex- music producers right. or we have a founder that was previously an actor. So we see a lot of people coming into this community that aren't, that don't have that tech in their DNA. Right. And I think that lends to the collaboration that you see here where people are giving each other advice freely. They're always willing to help another founder out, give advice. So I think that's the biggest reason for it. And what's one thing that you could suggest to founders looking to raise money that they may not, when they're making assumptions of their journey in raising money, that they, they should take a moment to consider this, this piece of wisdom you're about to share? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think the biggest thing that I find myself telling a lot of founders that I, that I meet with is evaluate whether venture capital is right for your business. It's Amen. There's a huge difference between a venture business and a small business or even a lifestyle business. And I see a lot of founders coming in that are 
they're not really evaluating why they want to raise venture capital. I think they just think that they have to or that the capital is available. So why not? But you're giving up a big chunk of equity. You're giving, mm-hmm. you're you're going to give up 25 to 30% of your company and you're going to be married to that investor for the next five, 10 years, however long you run your business. So evaluate whether that's the right move for you or if you can just bootstrap it or raise a small amount from friends and family and be able to control your own destiny. And biggest characteristic you see in successful founders like a common characteristic that they all have? Uh, Well, besides the obvious, most of our founders are brilliant, (laughs) uh, high level of intelligence. And I mean, you hear this a lot, but they have to have some edge, some reason that they're going after this problem that they're trying to solve. Do they... Did they work in an industry for 15 years and they are obsessed with solving this problem? Or what kind of unfair advantage do they have? And what's one thing that you think every founder can work on a little bit to be more successful? I think in the early days, every CEO, if you're selling a product or a service, should have very good sales skills. Amen. We're coming out with a themed like special bonus episode on selling as a start and how to become a more effective salesperson. If if you can't sell, then I mean, in the early days, it's, it's really all about you and you're not only selling to your customers, but you also have to be able to effectively sell the business to your venture capital investors. So that's, that's something that every founder should work on before they go out to raise money or try to sell their product. And before before we wrap up this conversation, a couple more questions. One, if I know nothing right now, I know zero. And let's assume that my company is the right fit for venture capital. What are the very first steps you would suggest I take to start the journey to raise money? First of I would say, first of all, do your market research. You need to understand your market, the ins, the outs, the intricacies. You need to talk to as many potential customers as possible, even if you don't have a product to sell yet. Talk to everybody you can. Gather that research. I just met with a founder a couple of weeks ago that I was so blown away by because he spent three months before he even started building the product, just talking to every, so his end customer is a, is a, or college students. And so he went to 10 college campuses, talked to as many students as possible, took them all to lunch, did everything he could to really understand the psychology behind what they, that customer needed. Right. And that was really impressive coming into the meeting, knowing more than anybody on who your customer is, what the market is, how big the market is. So really doing your research ahead of time before you even start building. We have thousands of people that listen to the We Are Light Tech podcast. If you had one ask of the community, all these people are in Los Angeles, just kind of absorbing what's going on here. What would that ask be? Something that they could do to actually support Crosscut in moving further along? I mean, my number one is I'm trying to find great investments and great companies here in LA. So any, any amazing companies out there, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is that's Amore. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. So reach Can you out spell to me. It? It's that's like T-H-A-T-S underscore A underscore M-O-R-E-T. 
awesome. <laughs> and you guys take her up on it. You know, I think most of the time people are so afraid of getting a no or getting an objection that they don't take that first step forward. Mm-hmm. And they're like, nothing bad is going to happen if you just reach out and say yes. hello. <laughs> yeah. So reach out and say hello. And then also just support each other. Yeah. That's, that's the best thing that you can do for each other in this community is be supportive. Uh, take those meetings, even if you don't have anything to gain from them, give people advice freely and openly and be there for each other. So, and how can um, people find out more about the female founders event you do annually? Uh, we have it once a year in June. So we'll, we'll be having it a year from now. And best thing you can do is follow Crosscut on Twitter, Crosscut VC and follow us and we'll, we'll post any updates. We have a ton of other events throughout the year. So follow us on Twitter and you can be stay up to date on all that. Awesome. And the the domain name for Crosscut is um, crosscut.vc, yep. right? Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So you guys definitely be sure to check out Crosscut. If you want to connect with more phenomenal people in the LA Tech community, go to the We Are LA Tech private chat at wearelatech.com slash VIP, or you could join the We Are LA Tech Facebook group where we post about events and LA Tech jobs. You guys are awesome. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. When I was a little girl playing in my father's office, I dreamed of learning how to code. But my dad wasn't a coder, he was a businessman. And I never got to learn how. And it's been something that I've been curious about my whole life. And now, like, this whole world is startup and tech crazy. And I just want to know how to code, too. Hack Reactor makes coding professionally go from being a dream and something that you just desire to have to really being a legitimate programmer. You could get a job straight away after. Even if you've been curious and you want to improve your skills and you're working in the marketing department and you happen to have to learn how to do HTML and you want to take your steps that much further, you got to check out Hack Reactor. Hack Reactor is the trusted environment, academic level education to go to to become the best programmer that you could possibly be. Not only will you get the education, but you'll get the support from them to make sure that you're not alone in the journey. HackReactor.com. We Are LA Tech, hosted by Esprit Devora, has been a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.